Hello, world. On episode 57 of the Concrete Podcast, we have the return of Sean Atwood, the UK-based author and activist who is banned from the United States for life. Since the initial outbreak of COVID-19 in China, Sean has been spending his time interviewing people on the front lines dealing with the worst of this pandemic. He's talked to doctors and healthcare workers in Italy, Spain, Greece, as well as New York City. He's talked to doctors and scientists who specialize in viruses and diseases, including a Harvard doctor who believes COVID-19 was accidentally leaked from a level four bioweapons lab in Wuhan. Sean has been covering every angle of this current global pandemic and has vast knowledge of the history of disease epidemics and how they've affected the human race and our ecosystem. That's it. Enjoy or try. So yeah, dude, this is cr- I think we're rolling now finally. We're okay. rolling. Yeah. This stuff is crazy. Now you've been doing First of all, it's great to have you back on here. Uh, I missed you. But yeah, you've been interviewing lots of people from all over the world, Spain, Italy, Greece, New York, doing Skype chats with all kinds of people that have been affected by this uh, coronavirus. Uh, what, so what have you learned? What's the biggest thing you've been learning from all these people from talking to everyone? What happened was two to four weeks ago, I started to get emails from people in Spain and Italy asking me to warn people in the UK and the USA what was coming. So I started to read those emails out on camera. And then in the comments, there was this horrible backlash, people saying, I'm trying to cause a panic. The flu is more dangerous than this. Only old people are dying in Italy. It's not coming to the US. It's not coming to the UK. So I thought, all right, rather than just read these letters out, I shall interview people in these hotspots. Maybe that would be more impactful. So I started to interview people in the hotspots and the things that they were saying were happening, you know, all people uh, needing intensive care unit beds being turned away, doctors deciding who lives and dies, makeshift beds being made in tents and bodies just being laid down in corridors with blankets thrown over them, people who are still alive but couldn't get in the intensive care units. Uh, One of the most recent videos, dozens of old people were just found dead in a care home in Spain. So having the actual video testimonies of these people started to wake people up in this country, our government was saying, well, we haven't really got a policy of lockdown, we're just going to let it spread and pray that there is a herd immunity. And as the virus started to spread, the government quickly changed its tune. So people contacted me and watched these messages and from people in Italy and Spain and said, look, we pulled our kids out of school when we heard your video. And, you know, thank God that we did. And there's still a small amount of people, but I looked at the graph today. We're almost 100 deaths a day here in the UK, two weeks behind Italy. In America now, you've gone up to about 200 a day. So I think America's going to get hit really hard all of a sudden. That tsunami's coming, man. I believe the U.S. is at 800 total right now. Is that right? Does that sound about right? I just checked it. I don't know what the total is, but I think 200 in a day. Here's the thing. When it was like 10, 20, people saying, oh, you know, the flu kills way, way more than that. But the flu is constant and we've, we've adapted to it. This is a completely unknown thing that humanity has never experienced. And every three days it's doubling. 
So, you know, when you're a kid and you go, two times two is two, four. Two, uh, four plus four is eight. Eight plus eight is 16. And all of a sudden, you're at like 1,000, 2,000. It's, that's what's happening right in front of our eyes. What kind of people have you been talking to? Have you been talking to people in like the healthcare industry? Have you been talking to scientists, researchers? All of the above. I'm talking to people who are locked down in Spain and Italy. I'm talking to people who are working in the health community. And I'm talking to scientists and I'm talking to doctors. I interviewed a doctor who believes it was come out of a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, Dr. Cottrell out of Harvard. And tomorrow I'm interviewing a doctor who is an expert on pandemics who explains how it comes from the animal kingdom. So we're trying to cover absolutely every angle of this story. And my thing was not to cause panic. It was just to give people a heads up because people started sending me these messages. And I think the more prepared we are, the less damage this thing is going to cause. Sorry, who did you say the doctor was from Harvard that you talked to? Um, Dr. Cottrell, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L. And what was he saying about everything? So in Wuhan, there is a level four bioweapons lab. And they were experimenting on coronaviruses, among other things, and looking at vaccines. Wow. So the fact that that was there and it broke out in Wuhan initially is really spooky. But if you look at the history of pandemics, Nature has killed way more people than humans has. I mean, the Spanish flu of the previous century killed more people than died in all of the world wars combined. And if you look throughout history, I mean, we've just gone through the greatest period of peacetime, talking about no world wars and no pandemics in the history of the world ever. So it was inevitable that something like this would start to happen. And my understanding is some of these areas of nature, the jungles and forests that we've never cut down and gone into before, there are reservoirs of the virus in animals such as bats. Right. And once we, once we encroach on the turf, they're like, all right, we're going to hit back, and this is how nature hits back. Yeah, the, the bat thing to me is, is completely insane, um, especially... You know, especially like the type, I guess there's a specific type of bat that they say it came from. And that bat typically carries four different types of coronaviruses that we've been exposed to over decades. But apparently this new form of virus, somehow the bats are immune to it. And I was watching something on, I believe it was Vice, it was a video that they posted. Um, some of the researchers are trying to find out why the bats don't get sick from coronavirus and if we can apply that research to humans somehow have you heard anything about that the bat is the host in this example and the virus doesn't affect the bat it just lays in the host and that is the reservoir of the virus mm -hmm. so then when we get into that area where we've never been before we cut down the trees the jungles whatever and then we start interacting with the virus and it repels the humans and that's nature's way of balancing things out that's really but interesting they can, but they can jump from animal to animal so you had the horse spanish flu in the late 1800s that came before the human spanish flu and it jumps from horses to birds uh, to humans 
And we think, you know, wow, how can something jump from an animal to a human? Well, that's because we're all animals, aren't we, really? Right, right. We, we think we think we're something special, but we're actually we're just the same, you know, material that animals are made out of. So yeah, these viruses, the bacteria, they've been around for millennia, billions and billions of years. They look at humans as just a little dot on their time frame. They have all kinds of sneaky ways of survival, and they're in a constant battle against us. But if they wipe us all out, they can't continue. So they have to assimilate with the host population at some point. And the pandemics, you know, Trump just said, we've beat the virus, America's open for business by Easter. I don't know if you saw what he just said there today. Um, he, he's in a dream world because pandemics can go for years. Um, Spanish flu was over a year and they come in waves. And it was the second, it was the second wave of the Spanish flu that caused the most harm. I mean, it was 100% fatal for pregnant women people uh, 20 to 40 with the most robust, robust immune systems died the most because, and they were the healthiest people because their immune systems reacted so well that people drowned in their own mucus. How many people did the Spanish flu kill? Various estimates from 50 to 100 million. Wow. I guess, I mean, compared to what Trump's saying, he's, I mean, he's basically, he's getting restless over the, the social distancing and the people working from home. It seems like he's already trying to get people to go back to work are already like the white house is, is talking about already people going back to work. How does that co contrast with what your government's telling you in the UK? Our government was completely lapsadaisical. Boris Johnson came out and made an announcement a couple of weeks ago saying that we weren't going to lock the country down. It's business as usual. It needs to spread so that we can get herd immunity. But once they saw the numbers coming out of Italy and Spain, and saw that by not locking the country down, our trajectory was at a steeper incline than those countries, but just running two weeks behind. They've realized now they've had to implement these measures. And with the US just jumping to 200 deaths in one day, you guys are on that trajectory as well. Even worse scenario than us right now, looking at the numbers. What does it look like on the streets there? What are people doing? Like your friends, people you talk to? Is is it like a desertville, just like New York City? So there are various stages of lockdown in the European countries. So in Italy and Spain, where they are putting the corpses in the churches because they can't, there's nowhere to put them anymore, and they're throwing blankets over people who are dying in the corridors, those guys now, if you leave your house, you're going to get a huge fine. Here in the UK, we've got Boris Johnson telling us, just stay at home, stay at home. You know, there's going to be uh, police problems coming if, if, if people uh, don't obey this. So we're not on as strict a lockdown as the Italians. To go out of your house in Italy right now, you requ requires a paper, paperwork. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, there's three specific reasons you can leave your house. And if you can't tell the police you're doing one of those reasons, you get a fine on the spot or maybe even imprisonment. Yeah. And I guess this, it's, it's worse in different parts of Italy. Is that right? I guess Milan is the worst of all. And I believe you actually talked to a girl from Milan. Yeah. There are various parts of Italy that have been affected much worse than others. So that's the other thing, you know, I post a video saying that it's like this in this area. And then people from over here say, oh, well, there's nothing happening here. You know, this is all hype. And 
it's just crazy the way people are reacting. But the same thing happened with the Spanish flu. If you look at the cities in America where the leaders and the business owners said it was all hype and refused to lock down, they got the most deaths. And the cities that heeded the advice that it was coming and locked down, they got the least deaths. So there's a dilemma between the economy now mm. and saving lives. Yeah, a lot of people here, I live in Florida of the United States, so it's a different, you could, you could, it's fair to say it's a different type of person down in Florida than it is in the rest of the U.S. A lot of the people here are not taking it very seriously. Some people are, a lot of the older people I think are, but there's so many people who I talk to who just think it's a conspiracy or shit that I read online. There's so many like, you know, bullshit comments on the internet, people talking about how it's a conspiracy, how it's how it's the the new world order. They want to put the mark of the beast on you. They're going to they're going to they're going to give your baby a shot and it's going to be the mark of the beast and they're going to control you and there's just so much conspiracy stuff going on. Have you heard a lot of that? Yeah. And researching the Spanish flu, exactly the same stuff happened. There really? Was, there was just conspiracy theories all over the place. There was hoax cures all over the place. Snake oil was a cure for the Spanish flu. <laughs> and what we learn from studying the previous pandemics is, yeah, the virus mutates, but human nature stays exactly the same. And those people who think that it's not coming to their neighborhood in two to three weeks' time, you've got a tsunami that's about to slam you hardcore and you are going to be absolutely shitting yourself when all of your <laughs> hospitals damn. are completely full and they're turning people away who need emergency medical treatment and the doctors are just allowing the younger people in to save their lives because they believe you know, that, that's a more worthy thing and they're letting all the rest of the people die. That's where it is right now in Italy. That's where it is right now in Spain. And we're just two weeks away in the UK and the US. So they're treating the young, they're giving the young people priority over the old people? Yes, not young, younger. So it is generally affecting older people. We had a girl today die in our country, 21 years old. Chloe, her name is Middleton. Anyone can Google it if they think I'm making this up. No underlying health conditions whatsoever. 21-year-old young woman in the prime of her life. So, again, it's an unknown variable. All these people just saying, well, you know, Italy had it come in. They got too many old people. This is a completely unknown variable. Even what the experts are saying, you need to be careful with. We've not examined fully the people who've survived this and learn what consequences they have. We're getting reports out of China from the earliest studies saying that up to a quarter of the people have got lung and organ damage, the people who've survived it. So because it's such a new thing and an unknown thing, that's what causes the most uncertainty and fear. And we, until you know, this is, the waves have completed and we've studied the actual damage it's done on the populations, we don't fully know what we're dealing with still. No, and that's what's so crazy about it, too. I mean, there's a lot of people here who are young and healthy, like like people who work out, people, you know, bodybuilders, professional athletes who are getting it, soccer players. That's when it started to freak me the fuck out. And I guess there's something to do with blood types. They're saying that A is the worst and O blood type is, like, best case scenario as far as your survival rate or what your symptoms, how bad your symptoms are going to be with it. 
Okay, so the people who have got the least chances of survival um, so far are in the 70 to 80 age group, and the people with pre-existing medical conditions, especially lung conditions, because there are various stages of this thing. It's, it's cold, flu, and pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And it's the right. pneumonia that's killing the people because they can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to hospital and they don't have the equipment to enable you to breathe, you're going to die. So more people are going to die because of the inability to get treated than are just going to die from the inception of the virus. Mm-hmm. That's what we're seeing is what's happening. And there's no possible way that they can produce all this equipment, the ventilators, the oxygen, to deal with the tsunami that's, that's coming. Out of all the people that you've spoken to so far and the research that you've done, what countries, in your experience, are dealing, it, dealing with it in the most effective way? China dealt with it in the most effective way. And, you know, they've got a history of communism and, you know, totalitarianism. And they were able to lock people down rapidly. And we saw a peak. And looking at their peak, the rest of the world then made their calculations based on their peak, thinking, all right, this is what's going to happen here. But now Italy has way exceeded the Chinese peak. Spain is on Italy's heels. And like I said, the UK and the US were just two weeks behind. That's how fast we're going up. Have you done any research or heard anything about those malaria drugs they've been testing? Yeah, that's all speculative as well. Is it? Like I said, with the Spanish flu, all kinds of cures were presented. This is a virus that has mutated. And I follow um, Dr. Johnson. He's a YouTuber out of the UK. He doesn't believe there will be any uh, useful vaccine until a year to two years. And because that's so fast, the side effects of that vaccine will be unknown and could be also be harmful. You also made a sort of a public service announcement video on your channel because a friend of yours, uh, Wild Man, is yes. really ill. And you, you made it was wild to see you make a video basically just calling for help for a friend of yours because yeah, he they was. Said, they said if you've got the coronavirus in this country, just call 111 and, you know, they'll send someone to deal with it. And he spent two hours on the phone calling 111. And he couldn't, all he was getting was recorded messages. So we were trying to get him into the hospital. And then he just started saying that um, there were people in more serious need than him. He didn't want to go to the hospital. He was just going to tough it out. I've spoke to him recently and he has got over it. He's still suffering, but he's got over the the worst part, the temperature, the high temperature. And um, he said he just, he drank cider continuously, apple beer. What? I'm not recommending that as a cure for coronavirus. But he's a monster. He's 26 stone. He's a huge guy. He survived Arizona prison and many other things. And he's a wild man by name and a wild man by nature. He just drank apple beer cider all the way through it. He said it was the best thing for his throat. It calmed his throat down. Holy (laughs) shit. What a beast, dude. (laughs) And it must be... Is that myth true that people who spend a lot of time in prison have a stronger immune system? Well, it's like the saying, throw your baby in the mud, isn't it? Yeah. If you're in a bucket of viruses for six years, like I was in the Arizona prison system, surrounded by hepatitis, Ugh. TB, 
um, HIV. Um, yeah, you know, your immune system is going to build up some kind of resistance. But again, in the war against viruses, uh, they always come up with new and novel ways to outsmart us. And that's what this one has got right now. Yeah. And another thing with you guys in the UK is don't you guys have an extremely large population of homeless, like over 300,000 homeless people living in the UK that are. It was, it was so sad when I went for groceries and I just, this guy just looked up at me from the street and just helpless look on his face. And I just thought to myself, you know, the people that have got the health insurance and have got the most money, people like Prince Charles, who was just diagnosed with it, they tested him right away, you know, no yeah. problem there whatsoever. Right. But these, these guys at the bottom of the social pyramid, they're going to get hit the hardest. And then you've also got the countries like Africa, where it's only just starting out. So in Ethiopia, for example, they have one doctor for 10,000 people. So imagine what, how it's going to tear through those countries. Yeah, luckily, I don't think there's many cases in Africa right now, are there? I don't think there are. I think I saw like... It's just, just starting. It just started in Africa. It's like a fire. So China's managed to put the fire out, but that's just one room in the house. So if you've got three other rooms on fire, that's not an improved situation on the whole. And then a week later, the street's on the fire. That That's just what we've seen with this. Well, China's been able to just kind of like to level out the curve, right? They haven't really yeah. – they've just stopped from increasing in their death rate. They're, it's just – they flattened out. Is that right? Yeah. With a pandemic, um, a, a major pandemic, they come in waves. So your first wave, it has a curve, and then it flattens out. And then the virus, it can appear to go away. It can move around the world. It can lay low. And then a second wave occurs and another curve arises right and for the duration of the waves you have a series of curves mm -hmm. and like trump says it goes away with the warmer weather well that's well, what happened with the spanish it's flu summer in, it's summer in australia right now and that's where tom hanks got it so holy that's shit, another yeah. myth when something happens that's a disaster to you personally or to society, go through various stages of adaptation. I'm going to start to do videos about coping with lockdown here in the next couple of weeks, with my advice and the advice of other prisoners. So when I first got arrested and I'm put in the jail, I'm in a state of shock. You know, heads are getting bashed against toilets, bodies are getting thrown around, and prisoners are coming up to me saying, you got to get that look of shock off your face or else you're going to get preyed on. Over time, you know, as this thing is constant, you internalize that fear and you wear a mask. So six months into my incarceration, I've got this look called dead eyes. If I show any fear at all, you know, it, it, it's going to get exploited. Um, inside, I'm still a bit, a bit nervous, but over time, I'm becoming more accustomed to that environment. And then by the end of my incarceration, I had my program, I'm reading all these books, doing all this writing, got my exercise routine down. I've adjusted to that way of life mm -hmm. so you know in these video this videos i'm going to do um i'm going to get into way more detail about how people can adapt to being locked down we are all prisoners now and you know i was in a cell a three man cell the size of a toilet so i gotta listen to guys shit and piss and smell his farts and 24 7 yeah but, you know, we're locked down now in our own houses. I didn't have Netflix. We've got Netflix. We've got all this YouTube. you got everything, Skype. Um, 
Uber yeah, Eats. Yeah, people are freaking out. I understand because it's if it, we have not experienced anything like this in our lifetimes. But the shock, once it wears off, you start to adjust. And hopefully I can do some videos to help people with that adjustment process. But there's a lot of wisdom right now that prisoners have, a lot of knowledge and wisdom that prisoners have that could be very useful to the public at large. That's something I haven't even thought about is, has this, what if this hit a prison? This could seriously fuck up a prison. It is. It's already in the prisons. I managed to dodge it in the UK. I did a talk at Downview, um, shook hands with the prisoners and the guards and everything, and that was the first prison to get it in this country. That oh, was my. Announced. That was the, just about a week before. So in Iran, they released prisoners in Iran because they thought they would have a better chance of survival. In Italy, the prisoners have been rioting and people have been murdered. There are prison escapes going on right now because, think about it, like I said, the people at the bottom of society's social pyramid, mm -hmm. they're going to die the most. They're not, if, there's, if there's oxygen required and breathing apparatus required, are they going to give all that to the prisoners to save their lives? No way. Hell no, yeah. They're going to give it to the people who are law-abiding citizens, the ones that they can, the ones that aren't getting turned away, that is. So prisoners know they're going to die. So there's escapes and there's all there's all kinds of chaos in the prisons all over the world right now. Just And it's just, I think there's, there's going to be a lot more riots and people escaping and, and people kicking off into prisons. And then there's the prison staff. You know, they're considered essential workers. They've got to keep the prison population fed and everything else. Right. So those prison staff, I've, I've watched some of the testimonies from them. They're complaining, you know, they're going to be hugely at risk. Thing, it will spread like wildfire through the prisons. Oh, my God. Yeah, prisons, people, they're in such close quarters. They're in line to get food at the cafeteria. I mean, it's it just seems like a death pit. People are warehoused for profits in the prisons, like battery chickens and hens. And they're the, you know, ideal circumstances for the virus to thrive. And, you know, when I was in there, there was like outbreaks of MRSA and people, the sores on people, and you know, all the, ta all the tattooing and intravenous uh, drug use. Um, so, yeah, this, it, it's, it's conducive to an absolute fire ignited in the prisons. Well, Mother Nature resets everything periodically because yeah. it hasn't happened in our lifetimes we are not adjusted to it and we didn't expect it and it's a shock to our system. But if you read the history books, books like Guns, Germs and Steel and other books that have got histories of pandemics, mm -hmm. you'll see this is just par for the course uh, from nature. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is you have experience in the stock market, obviously. Ha have you been aware, ha have you done any research or heard anything about the uh, the senators who were alleged accused of insider trading right before the stock market crashed? Yeah. The senators were privy to certain hearings that spooked them, and they dumped their shares. Right. And insider trading laws are very rarely exercised unless they want to make an example out of someone like Martha Stewart, Ivan Boweski. The law, I mean, one, one of the functions of the law is to protect the interests of the most powerful people in the world. Mm -hmm. And that includes the politicians and the legislators and the business owners at the top of the 
pyramid. So you're not going to see any play in the legal system going against those guys for selling their shares. I mean, my wake-up call was the insider trading, the short selling, the purchasing of the put options before 9-11 happened. The bets came in before 9-11 happened. I was an options trader. I watched them happen. Couldn't believe it. It was headline news. And they said they were going to track the trades down. And it, 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 the only way it could have been done was if insider knowledge from the terrorists. It had to be the terrorists. And then it displayed out the news. And years later, it came out. Those trades were traced back to an investment bank that was run by the CIA. And anyone who had any knowledge of those trades was deputized, which means you can't say anything to anyone about them or else you will be thrown in prison. So there are people in this world who know disasters are coming um, and profit from them. And it's a sad uh, state of affairs. Can you, I'm sorry, you just kind of blew my mind. Can you expand on that a little bit on the insider trading before 9-11? Yes. What specifically happened? This was my absolute wake-up call to how the world really works. So perhaps I mentioned in the previous interview that I've been trading the stock market since I was a teenager. Right, you did. When I was a teenager, I also traded what's called the options market. Now, the options market allows you to put down the smallish amount of money and make a huge percentage return. Or if, you, if your bet is wrong, you get wiped out. So, for example, let's say Walmart shares go up 10%. Mm-hmm. A Walmart option might go up 100% on that move. But you can also buy an option that will make money if the stock goes down. So if Walmart goes down 10%, a Walmart put option will go up 100%. A put option? Yeah. A call option means... I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize in advance because I don't know anything about stock the stock market. Okay. So if, the stock, if you buy a stock and it goes up, you're going to make profits... If you buy a stock and it goes down, you're going to lose. Right. But options allow you to make money either way. If you buy a call option and the stock goes up, you will make hundreds of percent. Okay. If it goes down, you will be wiped out. If you buy a put option and the stock goes down, you will make hundreds of percent. But if it goes up, you will be wiped out. Wow. Now, there is an average daily volume on these securities. And in the week before 9-11, the put options for the airlines, the trading on them started to go up 10 times daily average, 20 times daily average, until it was just so outstanding, it was making headline news. And how many days before 9-11 was this? The week before 9-11. What evidence is there that it could have been people in the CIA doing this? Because it was in the news. They said it was the terrorists. They were going to trace the trades. The trades were traced, and it was traced back to an investment bank run by CIA. Oh, my God. 
I can't. That's hard to comprehend. Yeah, well, if you Google it, you, all the details are laid out on online, and it tells you the name of the investment company, tells you the name of the CIA guy, the ex-CIA guy that was running it, and how the you know everybody who had knowledge of the trades was deputized, so they could never ever speak about those trades. <sighs> wow. And so basically, when you say they were deputized, what exactly does that mean? So say I profited from the 9-11 disaster and I placed a trade through you. You were my broker. Yeah. And the police came to you. Mm -hmm. The feds came to you and said, we are hereby deputizing you. You could not tell anybody in the entire world anything you knew about that transaction. Otherwise, you would be thrown in prison. Have you have you published any anything on this on the nine eleven? Oh, yeah, I've got I've got videos on it. Okay, um, you can actually see the clip that made headline news. Um, if you put in like nine eleven options trading, insider options trading on YouTube, uh-huh. the the news headline clip. Is still floating around YouTube, and you can see it's got to be terrorist trading. The only way these transactions could have gone through, blah blah blah, and then completely disappears out the news blackout. Wow, man, that is fucking wild. What what is your view on nine eleven? What is your overall opinion on nine eleven? Why it went down? So the fact that people were placing bets on the airlines told me that there was a grand conspiracy to allow it to happen and to profit from it. And ultimately, what did we get? We got the Patriot Act. We got endless wars in the Middle East. We got a record amount of defense spending. And I'm going to interview some people on the coronavirus subject about what might happen when this pandemic goes away, will this change the world permanently in the way that 9-11 changed the world permanently and these draconian measures such as the Patriot Act and all the techno spying entered our lives? So do you think there's any chance that there's any kind of legitimate inside you know conspiracy regarding the coronavirus like is there any shadow of a doubt in shadow of a doubt in your mind that it could have been uh you know done on purpose by the chinese government or any government whatsoever so in my early videos i was saying that it was irrelevant where it came from yeah the, the important thing was to prepare yourself right but of course now, after interviewing dr cottrell and looking more closely at the level four bioweapons lab in Wuhan and understanding that these coronaviruses were being experimented on, I can't eliminate the possibility that it was leaked accidentally or on purpose. I like to hope that if it was a leak, it came accidentally. And it, it does seem to have taken world leaders by surprise. So I would say right now I'm 80% zoonotic and 20 percent biolab okay 20 percent that it was developed for warfare but accidentally leaked and 80 percent from animals from nature right 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 wow 
that's scary, scary times. Well, you know what? During these times, I mean, are you not like contacting your family and loved ones more right now and seeing everyone's okay? Yeah, the, the craziest thing now is everybody's out riding their bikes around town. Everyone's outside jogging, walking their dogs. People realize they, people realize they they own dogs now and they actually take them out for walks. And it's like the opposite of what it used to be like with everyone glued to their phones. It's weird. Things like this make people appreciate life and what we've got. And when the shock's over and people adapt, I'm hearing from people, you know, I'm at home, I'm studying something I've wanted to study for years but never had the chance to do it. I'm Mm -hmm. learning a language. So there came a turning point in incarceration for me. The first year I was wild, you know, I would have gone back to the lifestyle. But after facing the 200-year maximum sentence, uh, where I was on the, the brink of killing myself, pushed to the brink of suicidal insanity, mm-hmm. I um, let go of that material attachment. My million-dollar house, my plasma screen, TV, my swimming pool, my jacuzzi, none of that shit mattered anymore. Right. Getting sentenced to nine and a half years was one of the happiest days of my life. And that taught me that happiness is not in the material world. It's in your thoughts and in your heart. Mm-hmm. So... You can wake up and appreciate the small things. There's no dead rats in my food anymore. There's mm-hmm. no cockroaches in my bed. You know, and, and that becomes a yardstick then. So mm-hmm. if you're going through something, some form of hardship in your life, whether it's coronavirus or anything else, ask yourself what are the toughest things you've ever got for in your life and compare and contrast. And if you've never been through anything so tough, Watch my uh, clip about the cockroaches and um, yeah, <laughs> you know, thank the Lord that you're not waking up and you're in, your bed's full of insects. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Have you been? What have you been doing personally uh, with your time? Besides, obviously, you're spending a lot of time doing interviews, or whatever. But what have you been done personally, like with your health or with your diet or whatever it may be, to stay so, safe? So I've just gone overdrive on doing coronavirus videos. Yeah. And that's kind of burnt me out a little bit. So I'm trying to balance that out now. And I'm doing the yoga in the house and watching a bit of Netflix, relaxing, reading my Kindle. But as this drags on, I'm going to have to start doing more physical things. I'd like to start jogging. I've got beautiful countryside behind me. Yeah. I've been fattening the squirrels up for months, throwing them all these nuts and stuff. And I realize now if it, you know, if it is zombie apocalypse, I'm looking at recipes for like squirrel stew. Yeah, you better catch those things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm a vegetarian. Are you? (laughs) Since the Red Death mystery meat slot with the dead rats in it, I'm vegetarian. (laughs) I'm eating tons of fruit, and the top doctors are saying vitamin C and vitamin D and doing like lung exercises, having that lung strength because smokers are getting wiped out by this as well. Yeah, like breathing exercises are really good, I've heard. Um, you know, obviously restricting your calories. Uh, I recently had a, a, a nutritional scientist researcher here uh, who was talking a lot about like specific diets that are good for you, that, like low-carb diets that are good to keep the immune system healthy, like a lot of like meditating. Do you do any meditating? Oh, yeah. I started to meditate in the jail. Oh, really? Uh, when I was with the cockroaches mm. and that – because they put me on medication to help me sleep with them crawling on me. But the meditation was so effective, I managed to get off the medication. So, yeah, I highly recommend meditation. 
Yeah, whether you do it, whether you do it in your house or I mean, either even doing things like just walking or running or things like that. I mean, you can't do that, obviously. You can't. Can you go out and exercise? Is that part of the the ban in the UK? Or right you have now, to stay indoors unless you're getting food. People to go out and exercise. They are. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we're going to follow Italy and Spain, those days are numbered. Yeah, they're not even allowed to go outside. Period, unless it's for food, right? Right. The military on the streets. Fuck, man. Well, cool, man. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Short and sweet, but I think we covered a lot of really interesting stuff. Cool. Well, I really hope uh, Wild Man gets... Oh, you said he already got through it, so hopefully he... He's, 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 the temperature thing is the scary thing. His temperature shoots up. Really? He, he couldn't breathe properly, and he thought you know, he was panicking a bit. Was it for sure um, coronavirus, do you think? Did he actually never got tested, right? No, they won't test people. Yeah. So we just don't know. God, that's scary, man. I really hope this thing doesn't last as long as some of those some of those crazy epidemics in the past, like the Spanish flu or or any of those things. I really hope this thing doesn't start going down and go up again and last forever. Well, we've got to adjust to the reality of multiple waves. And, you know, it could go on for over a year. Because the London bubonic plague lasted five years. <sighs> Obviously, you saw that the crazy stimulus package that's going through in the U.S. right now with the $2 trillion amount the two trillion dollars are going to send to businesses and individuals which is the biggest in u.s history they're saying is there anything like that going on in europe well whenever the stock market starts to crash that's what they do yeah and it causes the stock market to bounce but then the overriding factors drag it back down again so we saw you know i i, I put a i i'm on a if people out there are watching this and they're interested in investments I put my posts on stageanalysis.net. I think it's free to join the forum. And a couple of weeks ago, I just wrote, look, this is going down. People are asking me, should they buy? Yeah. There's this, that's called catching falling daggers. You do not want to catch falling daggers. You're going to get your hands just cut wide open. That's when you're I, buying when it's tanking during something like this? Yeah, it's, it's gone into waterfall decline, and I said that if twenty-two thousand didn't hold, it would it would rapidly go down to eighteen thousand. That's exactly what's happened. It's bounced off just above eighteen thousand on the Dow Jones. It's back up now at twenty-one thousand and change on this stimulus announcement. But looking at the history of bear markets, these stimulus things they always announce something like this, and it makes it bounce, but then it it starts to go down again. So if you're a short seller. It might be a good time to um, short the market if it's if it bounces around up to around here and starts to fall over again. God damn, it's insane. Well, cool. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, you're welcome, Danny. Anytime. Obviously, I'll link all your stuff below so people can follow all your recent videos and interviews um, with the doctors and the people living in those in those areas. I think they're they're definitely really informative and really helpful to watch. I really appreciate your time, Sean. All right, you take care, brother. All right, you too, man. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye.